What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to The Boochcast. This week, ladies and gentlemen, we have once again a special episode here on The Boochcast where we are taking a look back at some old wrestling pay-per-views. And we're doing that because... Uh, as we mentioned before, one thing Gator and I love to do on this show is we're talking about classic pay-per-views, but... We look at them not just from the perspective of fans, but we look at them from the perspective of two people who are in the business. As you know, Gator Ricky Ross is a wrestler slash manager. He's also been a commentator and a ring announcer, so he's done a lot in the business. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and break kayfabe, Mister Booty. I was a referee for a short time too. Yes, I I forgot about that, but. Glad you brought that up. So Gator's done a lot in the business. I myself am a former commentator, ring announcer. You know, I'm currently on a hiatus, um, but you know m- whether or not I ever get back into it again remains to be seen. But for now, I'm from now I'm out. Uh, that's another story for another day. But I'm just saying I've had time as a commentator and ring announcer in the business, so I've done a lot as well. So. Whether or not I, like I said, whatever or not I get back into it remains to be seen. But for now, I'm on the outs. But that's another story for another day. But the point is, we both have experience inside the business and know it a lot more. So we're going to give each other two different perspectives. And the episode we're going to get into today is Starcade 1995. This took place in Nashville, Tennessee at the Nashville Municipal Auditorium. Uh, it was the 13th Starcade pay-per-view produced by WCW. And my nipples are hard. And this one included a seven-match tournament between wrestlers representing WCW and New Japan Pro Wrestling, which at the time was a partner with WCW. They had a partnership. This was, this was all basically... The big thing with this was it was all about... Uh, the Super Show. It was all about what was what would happen if Ric Flair took on such and such. What would happen in this dream match? You know, that's all. It was that's the build to this? Yes, it was billed as the World Cup of Wrestling. Yes. So and so that was pretty much the main. And then not, of course, the, not the Super Bowl of Wrestling. That's Jim Cornette. Yes, and basically how it went was there was a. You know, triple. There was basically the goal was to have a triple threat match between Ric Flair, Lex Luger, and Sting, with the winner to face the Macho Man Randy Savage for the world title, which was, you know, Randy Savage was the champion at this time. So that's pretty much what happened. So that was what, now the first match we'll talk about is we had Jushin Thunder Liger with Sonny Ono against Chris Benoit. Now let me, all right, let me preface by saying you got two guys that are not cruiserweights. But in the Japanese sense, would be known as junior heavyweight. So these are your junior. This is pretty much a, a classic junior heavyweight style. Jushin Thunder Liger is best known for his technical wrestling ability. He's not really much of a high flyer. Neither is Chris Benoit. So this match was more or less a technical, strong style kind of submission-based match. It really was. Like these two put on uh, basically a wrestling clinic in this match. It was very well done. And this was a young, this was a young Chris Benoit when he was in his prime. So yes, definitely when he was, you know, de- the at the top of his game. As was Jushin Thunder Liger, who's yes, he was the crippler at this point. Yes, you know this. Yeah, back, this is back when he was the crippler. He still had the cross face. He was an incredible, you know, athlete. 
you know, at that time. He wasn't um, quite doing the headbutt yet. Yes. He hadn't gotten to that point yet. He was mostly doing the cross face, and that's how he won the majority of his yes. matches. Yes. And, of course, Jushin Thunder Liger is like a legend in Japan, one of those guys that's like, you know, if he got inducted, he, he's one of those Japanese wrestlers that would definitely go into the WWE Hall of Fame if given the opportunity. If given the opportunity, he should. Yes. Just like uh, Tatsumi Fujinami did. Yes. So, yeah. So I'm saying, they, they, I'm sure they'll let a few... And Tatsuji Fujinami was only inducted in the Hall of Fame after having one match with fucking Ric Flair, so... Yeah. And and Jushin, of course, was... um He was in he was in WWE in 1990, you know, and then, you know, he took on uh, Akira Nogami at a, at, a, at, a, at a wrestling summit in the Tokyo Dome. And then, of course, he came in for for the first NXT TakeOver Brooklyn and had the match with Tyler Breeze. That was incredible. Yes. So, ju- I think just those matches alone, combined with his legacy, he definitely deserves the Hall of Fame and was a hell of a great match. And then, uh, Jushin won that match and got the point for New Japan. So, New Japan's now up one nothing. And then, in the next match, we had uh, Koji Kanemoto, again with Sonny Ono, uh, going up against Alex Wright. Now, this one, I didn't I didn't care for this. This was kind of a change of pace. It was like the piss break. Yeah. yeah I mean, what are, you, what, what, what are your thoughts, Mr. Goodrell? This is the piss break for me. Yeah, it, it didn't really... Well, here's the thing. I've, I've heard of Alex Wright. I know I knew a little bit about him. That's um, Wonder Kid. Yes, but that's Wonder Kid. Yes, but yeah, I mean yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. But, yeah those. Yes, but I'll be honest. I I had no idea who Koji Kanemoto is was. Me and, either. And didn't really care. And still don't. Yeah, like it just wasn't that important to me. But apparently, but, apparently, I, I just read this. He was the first man to defend the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship in the United States. I did. I did. Yes, so apparently he was defending the title that night, but they didn't build it as a junior heavyweight title match. No, they didn't build it because it wasn't built as that. I mean, it was built as like a, a, these are the super junior heavyweights. The little men, you know, all that kind of shit, so. Well, in my opinion, I thought it would have been great because it would have been a great way to motivate the match and build it up. Hey, there's a title involved here. That would have probably made Yeah, maybe... no, that adds a whole new landmark to the story. Exactly, and that, that I think was a big problem with this match was that it was focused to, that they need, I felt like they needed more of a story than just Japan against America. I mean, it's not 1995. Nobody's that. Nobody's that crazy for Japan against America. I don't think. I mean, am I wrong? I know, pretty much. Yeah, I'm saying like I can understand this is a this is a starcade that was happening like around or a little bit after World War II. I could see how people would give a shit, but it's 1995, so it just. I felt like adding the fact, hey, this is a junior heavyweight title match would make me go, oh, maybe I shouldn't go to the bathroom during this match. So I thought that was kind of weird. No, I just, it, it was it was what it was. Yeah, but in the end, Ko- Koji got the win. So once so now New Japan's up 2-0 against WCW. And then we got the third match, representing WCW, the total package Lex Luger with Jimmy Hart, taking on Masahiro Chono with Sonny Ono one-on-one. Now... Sonny Ono, I'm going to shit on him for a minute. Oh, boy. Oh, yes. Sonny Ono is one of those managers that doesn't know when it's a good time to interfere and when it's not a good time to interfere. Okay. Any? Go ahead. No, I was saying go ahead. I meant, okay, like, elaborate. Oh, elaborate. Let me 
play in wrestling, there are times as a manager when you need to interfere on your client's behalf and it looks good. Then there's other times when you do too much of it and it fucks up the whole pace of the goddamn match. I see. It'll fuck it all up. And like royally fuck it up. Yes. And I've only met Sonny Ono like briefly, so I don't know much about him from a personality standpoint. He, he seemed nice. But I didn't get a chance to really talk to him. But I will agree with you on that. Plus, out of all the managers that I've ever seen interfere in a match, with the exception of one, and I'll bring her up in a minute okay. as an example, but Sonny Ono is the only manager I know that would interfere in a match and actually inflict, like, real pain on a wrestler, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like for like I under, like it's one thing like usually when most people interfere like like when Jim Cornette would interfere he would probably hit somebody with a tennis racket and that's about it like or you know Mr Fuji would throw the salt in someone's face or use a cane or you know some people would do little things like that that would hurt but it wouldn't hurt like severely but it would hurt enough to where it would help the client win the match. Yes, but there's some that take it too far and they yeah. Well, yeah, like Sonny Ono goes I in can, there doing karate can, shit. Yeah, well, look, I could go on and on about correct protocol. Yeah, and I don't know, Gary, you've done a lot of managing. You tell me, like, should a manager be hitting a a wrestler the way the wrestlers hit the wrestlers? No. Okay. I'm going to tell you, I can tell you specifically why. I'll tell you, tell me why. Okay, here's why. A manager is not supposed to, in the eyes of a fan in the olden days with psychology and shit, the manager is not supposed to be stronger than the wrestler because the manager is not supposed to be in kayfabe trained as a wrestler. You get what I'm saying? Yes. That's why managers in the olden days when they got hit, they would stay down longer because they're supposed to be weaker. Psychology. Yes. You get what I'm saying? Yes, I do. So you would never hit a wrestler the same way that you would hit somebody else. I mean, unless you're going to hit them with a... You wouldn't hit a wrestler the way a wrestler would hit a wrestler. You get what I'm saying? Yes. So you would hit him with something else, a foreign object or something, because you needed it because you're supposed to be weaker. Yeah, because I always thought that made sense. Like, okay, I know physically I can't fight this guy, but if I hit you with a blunt instrument, I don't care how strong I am, you're getting knocked out. It's believable. If I hit you with a chain... You're gonna, you're still gonna die. Exactly. Like, you get what I'm saying? Yes. And I don't mean die as in a bad die. I mean die as in like you're gonna pass. You're gonna, you're gonna get knocked out. Exactly. And I, and I'm and I'm gonna get to the other person I want to talk about in a minute, but I'm gonna sidetrack here. <laughs> There's a manager in Georgia that oh, I interviewed Lord. a long time ago. Uh, oh, his, God. his name is Al Getz. Don't burn no bridges. I'm not burning no bridges. I like this guy. Okay. I, I hopefully he still likes me. Um, oh God. Go but ahead. I, but I'm just saying, I'm not burning any bridges. But this guy Al Getz, I used to know. I interviewed him on the Boochcast years ago. What, years ago. Years ago, yeah. And I still have the interview. I'll put it up again at some point down the road. But anyway, it's in a story. My point no is, point. I this guy was booked in a main event match mm-hmm. against Amber O'Neill. <laughs> now the reason was because Amber O'Neill had been dealing with Al Getz interfering in all her matches. So at some point, she decided she wanted to wrestle him. And he would find ways to get out of it, like most managers would. He's like, I'm a manager, not a wrestler. I'm not going to fight. But Amber kept pushing and pushing and pushing until finally Al Getz accepted the match. And when he accepted the match, he was confident that he could beat Amber O'Neill. And at one point during an interview, they asked him, he was being interviewed by one of the backstage people, and they asked him, why do you believe you can beat Amber O'Neill? 
and he said this. He said, "Yeah, exactly." He said, "Look, I'm a rest. I'm not a wrestler. I'm a manager. You put me in the ring with a wrestler. I'm gonna get my ass kicked." But Amber O'Neill is a woman, and any man can beat up any woman any day of the week. And the crowd booed maliciously, and I loved it. And I'm sitting there as a as an analyst going, "I fucking love this because it made it believable." Can I just say? Can I just say how many times I've been in that situation where I've said shit like that to get heat? Oh, oh, it gets better because the day of it, they're cut. He's cutting a promo in the ring. Yes. And of course he's talk. And this is like the pre-match promo thing before the show. So there, uh, this is just the talking point. There's no actual match happening. But he said, and he's so he's bragging about how they're gonna win and him and he had it and his uh faction was Al Getz Enterprise. That was his faction at the time. And he said, you know, we're going to be celebrating and we're going to have a feast tonight. And you know what, Amber? I would like to invite you to that feast. You are more than welcome to join us. As the cook. Yes, because we're going to need somebody to cook the food and clean up when we're done. And the crowd boos again. Oh, my God. They were so fucking angry. Oh, my God. Every female in there wanted to jump the fucking guardrail. It was crazy. The heat. The heat. Oh, man. And I ain't talking about the kitchen. It's heat, man. But anyway, the other person I want to give an example about, about the issue with Sonny Ono being a little out of control was Zelina Vega is the person I've had the most problems with. Where yeah, And, and yeah. We, we used to talk about her in the past when we used to recap NXT. How many times have I said that? A lot. And I've said a lot, too. Where she interferes way too many times. And because you usually said this, and you could, and Gator, correct me if I'm wrong, because I know this was a long time ago, but you said usually when a manager interferes in a match, they usually get two or three spots tops. Is that true? Sometimes, sometimes three is overkill. Yeah, but usually like every now and then you get a third one, but mostly it's like two. It's one, it's two, it's two. Yeah. And one of those two needs to affect the outcome if it's going to be. Exactly. And like Selena Vega going out there doing fucking hurricanas is like, this is stupid. You're not, you're, you're, it's like, are you a wrestler or a valet? What the fuck are you? Like, it was annoying. Or a whore. Exactly. It was just irritating. So, really, that was my only issue with Sonny Ono's. I felt like he was, he was a, he was a manager that acted like a wrestler and you couldn't tell which one he was. And that was my problem with it. Yeah. But either way, Lex Luger obviously got the win in this match. Torture Rack gets the victory, puts puts some on the map for WCW. And obviously, I figure this is one of the matches where it's like, there's no way Lex Luger's losing this. Like, yeah, that, it was, yeah, it was, yeah. Especially since he's in the triple threat main event to determine the number one contender. He can't be losing. He can't lose. It makes him look weak in the main event. This is true. Yeah. So you knew that wasn't going to happen. Now, as far as Masaharu Chono, do you know anything about this guy? <laughs> Very little. Um, hang on, let me get in the Google machine. Well, well, I got the Google machine right here. Uh, you got the Google machine. Okay, pull the yeah. Google machine. Yes, I, I have it in ca- you know just in case. Um, but apparently he pull, was pull he was the Google machine. He apparently he was the leader of the NWO version uh, NWO Japan. Okay. Yeah, he was leader of NWO Japan, another faction called Team Two Thousand, and then Black New Japan. Oh, that's the New Japan that can't swim. Uh, apparently, yes. Yeah. You know, they're they're double scared of the tsunamis. But anyway, um, on that note, the actual fuck. What I did? What? Not you. Oh. I, okay. Side sidetrack. I just I just cut on something on the TV. Okay. Okay. I cut TV on. And here it is on on uh, NBC, the National Drone Racing Championships for nerds that can't do nothing else. 
Wait a minute, wait a minute. Dro- I ain't fucking with you. The drones? The drone racing championship. Oh my god. I ain't fucking with you. I know you're not. I'm just in shock that there's actual fucking drone racing. Who is going to watch this? Me. <laughs> okay. And here he comes going around the corner. There's Jet. Then there's Steve, the guy that's a nerd and has never had pussy before. He's still a virgin, but he's coming around the corner here on the backside, on the backside, on the backside. Oh, he's past him now. Here comes number 13, number 13, coming around the corner right there on the, good, on the backside stretch. Number 14 and 13, fighting now for third place. Third place, third place, third place, fighting for third place. In fifth place, we got number 46. We got number. We don't have number 69 in the race today because they've never felt that before and they don't know how wonderful that number is. Anyway. <laughs> it's like... It's like Steve, it's like Steve is not a virgin, but he has used the drone to peek into women's bedrooms. So that's cool. But anyway, moving on. Uh, so WCW <laughs> now has points on the board, <laughs> and we're moving on to the next match, which is uh, from WCW. We have Johnny B. Bad with the Diamond Doll uh, taking on Masa Saito again with Sonny Ono. Moving on. You know, you didn't like this match? Fucking Sonny Ono. Well, yeah, he's the manager for all the Japanese people. That's a given. Yes, I know, but goddammit, Sonny. Tw- 20 fucking interferences. I'm pretty sure he interfered in all of these matches. At least 16 times. Yes, I mean, I can't think of a match he didn't interfere in during this time. There isn't one. Yes, uh, so anyway, what do you know about Masa Saito? I don't know a lot about these Japanese guys. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, apparently, um, he had he was the AWA World Heavyweight Champion in 1990. At some point, yes. Yes, I did know that. He also was in the WWE in 1981, where he teamed with Mr. Fuji to hold the tag team titles twice. I sometimes forget Fuji was a wrestler. Um, yes, yes. A lot of people don't remember Fuji was a wrestler before he was a manager. Yes, he also wrestled Antonio Inoki. That's the guy that uh, made New Japan. Yes, and he also was in jail for two years for physically assaulting police officers in Wisconsin. Hashtag drinking. Yes. And yes. following Bitch, ac- fo- listen to your Uncle Gator. Don't don't drink. Drinking's yes. bad. Following an accusation of vandalism against his friend Ken Patera. Fucking Ken Patera. <laughs> Ken Patera. Ken but Let me explain why I say that. Okay. Ken, Ken Patera was in one of my least favorite things I've ever seen in my entire life. Okay. Let me just say this is a public service announcement. Children, if you're going to Walmart or any of these bargain stores and you see a re- you see these wrestling DVDs for four four dollars and ninety nine cent or five bucks, something like that, and they say <clears throat> Grand Masters of Wrestling, don't get them. Don't get them. Okay. They've got names like Ken Patera and the Iron Cheek and you know uh, Jimmy Snuka, you know big names like that on these cards, and you think, oh, I'm getting a good deal. No, you're not. No, you're not. It is sloppy, out-of-weight workers working way past their prime. I see. It's got Nikolai Volkov and it's singing Hava, Namiki Hava, Namiki Hava, Namiki Hey Hava. What are you talking about? It does. Here's why. Grandmasters of Wrestling wasn't originally called Grandmasters of Wrestling. It was called it was called Maccabia Mania, and it was put on by the Jewish fencing team, so the American Jewish fencing team, so they could go to the Jewish fencing game. Olympics 
in Jerusalem. Okay. I'm not joking when I say this. This is real shit. I see. Interesting. So, anyway. So then you get the mighty Maccabee. Yes. <laughs> Which is a dude who's a fencer who wanted to be, who is, he's the guy that put together the event, and he's in both of the Maccabee Manias, which are the Grandmaster Wrestling. He's in both DVDs, and he, he's a wrestler. He learned to be a wrestler from Ken Katera. Yes. But he didn't like bumping because bumping hurt. <laughs> so his gimmick is he don't bump. Ah, interesting. He's a Jewish fencer. All that's right. his gimmick. He's a non-bumping Jewish fencer. I see. Yay! Yeah, that's a bad game. But anyway, uh, so we have Johnny B. Bad and Masa Saito. Uh, Johnny B. Bad I'm just, gets... I'm just saying I wish for the precipitation chamber at that point. No, no. And that one was well-deserved. I guess. On that note, but anyway, Johnny B. Bad defeated Masa Saito. Saito. And now it's like, so now it's like, now the score is three to two, is two to two, sorry. Uh, So now we're tied up with the WCW New Japan tournament. Uh, Basically, they're giving the bigger names the wins here. So on that note, we move on to the next match on the card. Representing New Japan, we got Shunjiro Otani with you know who. Yes, Satan. Yes, taking on Eddie Guerrero. Now, this was good. Let me explain why it was good. It was fast-paced. It was cruiserweight kind of style. And it's Eddie Guerrero. Everything Eddie touches is gold. Yeah, you really see how good Eddie was in in WCW. Like, I think that they... Yes, because the other guy was shit. <laughs> you didn't like Otani? He was, was, as we call on the indies, the drizzling shits. Really? Mm-hmm. He wasn't that good? Talking about in the American style, not in the Japanese style. Yes. Because, uh, for those you who don't know, Otani was a Japanese pro wrestler working with Pro Wrestling Zero One. He's also the acting president of the company, apparently. Ow, yeah. And he's been like... But he, he just, he was not ready for the American style. Well, strong style, strong style, strong style. He couldn't work the American style. They had to work the American style. Some of these guys did not translate well. Yeah, and that's... And that's the interesting part is that they're they can't transition to that style. And you and you notice the people that get locked too much in Japanese wrestling when they have to do the American style, it, they fail miserably. Yeah. Like Nakamura is a good example I mean, of that. And, and here's your best example, Kenny Omega. Yeah. Kenny Omega. He can't work an American style match to save his goddamn life. He really can't. He can't. I mean, I he, mean look at his, his matches with Jericho. Everybody's like, oh, these are masterpieces. No, they're not. Jericho's working the American style and had to work in the strong style to carry Kenny Omega's ass. And that's really true. You're noticing he's carrying Kenny through the match. Oh, you can t- you can tell in just about every match Kenny's in at AEW. Yeah, like he really does. He he's really getting exposed a lot here. He is. He gets exposed. I wish I wish he would have just stayed where and doing what he did. You know, spot monkey shit. But anyway. Yeah, I mean, he's... I could go on an hour tangent. Yeah, we'll save that for an episode where you and Elvis are in the room. Y'all can have that discussion. No, I'll destroy Elvis because I know where Elvis is going to go with it. I don't agree. (laughs) I know know you don't. That's why I want to have the conversation. But anyway, so Otani somehow gets the win over Eddie Guerrero, which is goddamn ridiculous to me. Eddie Guerrero? Yes, so so now the score is 3-2 in favor of New Japan. No, no, WCW. And next, we move on to the... We got the next match of the evening where we have the Macho Man Randy Savage. The Nacho Man? The Nacho Man's back? <laughs> no, Macho. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm and, gonna and he takes on Hiroyoshi Tenzan with Satan. <laughs> Say that again? Hiroyoshi Tenzan. With? Satan. 
I'm sorry the way you say that. It was a clusterfuck. It was? This no, this was good. I'm sorry. I'm talking I'm talking about us. Um Okay. Uh hey, I mean, no, this was this was good. This was this was, this guy actually knew how to work the American style. He really did. Um and by that I mean and the American style and the Japanese style is different. The American style is more based on entertainment or the southern style which is based on more wrestling instead of the strong style. I mean, more slams and grapples as the strong style is more based on the Let's see how hard we can hit one another. Yeah, and Tenzam is currently working for New Japan Pro Wrestling still. Um, and he won this, the World's Strongest Tag Determination League uh, with Satoshi Kojima. And then he also was he also won the G1 Tag League, and they're the only tag team to do both. He's also yes. known for being a four-time IWGP Heavyweight Champion and a record 12-time IWGP Tag Team Champion. And he also was a former NWA World Champion. So Tenzan did have an impressive resume to go up against the Macho Man. Yeah, I mean, it was, like I said, he knew what he was doing on in the, uh, and the other one that was, uh, uh, that had teamed with Mr. Fuji, uh, he was another one that knew how to work the Southern style as well, so it yes, worked out. absolutely, and it was, a, it, I think it was a great match, and mostly because Randy Savage does his, is so detail-oriented, he makes sure he has a great match. Yeah, well, he's just so, how do I say this? Folks have put it in, in before that Randy Savage has been so ornery in the ways that he does his, he sets up his bookings. Well, not his bookings, but how he sets up the structures of his matches. And he's so much of a fucking perfectionist. Yeah. So, it's, it's been documented. Oh, I know. Something so, you know, if, if you see Randy Savage on a card, it's going to be good because he's so goddamn I've actually, a perfectionist. I, I think I actually heard Ric Flair say one time, or at least in his book, that he that Randy Savage actually has a ring set up at his house. Mm-hmm. in his backyard and he'll bring if he's working with you he'll bring you over and go over stuff for the match which used to annoy which used to annoy Ric Flair nothing wrong I see nothing wrong with that well a lot of people like to are usually like uh, to go, a lot of people like to feel it and call it in the ring but yeah I remember I don't yeah Randy Savage was very detail oriented Diamond Dallas Page was very detail oriented and I know I'll I, tell you who else I'll tell you who else is because I've been in the ring with the motherfucker who Joey Ryan <laughs> <laughs> You don't say. Yeah, I don't. Leave it at that. Anyway. Okay. All right. I made an extra hundred bucks. Anyway. <laughs> now nah, it's okay. We're going to flip the dick, I mean the script, and go on to Fuck the you. next match. I didn't say nothing. And we're going to move on to the next uh, match here. Um, we now have... Oh, by the way, Randy Savage got the win here, obviously. He's a WCW World Heavyweight Champion. He's not yeah, going to jump. Yeah, he's the World Champion. Let's dick flip into the next one. Yes. So we're going to... Thank you. The next match, well, hey, I nothing. Uh, so we got the next match here, which is Sting taking on Kensuke Sasaki with Esso. Uh, yes, this was a clusterfuck. Really? Yes, because Satan, children, Satan is bad. We don't like Satan. We root against Satan. Satan, Satan is bad. Fucking Satan. I beg your pardon. Fucking Satan. Mister Butcherelli, you you tell the people. Um. Well. <laughs> Um, you the people. He got involved a lot in this match. Fucking Satan. More than you think he would. Um, Fucking Satan. Overall, um, the match was somewhat decent. Um, of course, Sting had was at, during, for most of '95. Sting was the United States champion uh, until he lost the title to Sasaki, and after he lost the title to Kensuke Sasaki, he this was his way of getting revenge. 
and helping to get the win for WCW by beating Kensuke Sasaki at Starcade. Yes, but, I wanted to kill Satan with a knife. Uh, yes, that that is true. That is true. Uh, so in the end, he was able to get the win for WCW. The score ended up being, I think, five to three in favor of WCW. Yep. We had Sting, Randy Savage, Johnny B. Bad, Lex Luger. Uh, getting their wins, I believe so it was one, two, three, four, and then and then Ju- and then of course we had Otani, uh, Koji Kanemoto, and Thunder Liger getting their wins. So it was like a four to three victory for WCW. So this helped them out a lot, and of course fucking Satan was not happy about that. And- Hang on, I'm gonna go off on a tangent. All right, here we go. There one little man is so gimmick. No, not this again. Okay, look. Sonny Ono was an excessive interferer, but he didn't steal any gimmicks. No, I just wanted to see what your uh, reaction was going to be. It was going to be I was going to come through the phone. That's what was going to happen. But anyway, um, but anyway. anyway, Seriously, though, if you're a young manager, if you're if you're a young professional wrestler, listen to Gator, or a young manager, or just a young a young tag team guy who's out there with his partner during his match. For God's sake, know when to interfere. The best, the best person I can tell you to watch to know when to interfere would be Gary Hart, Jimmy Hart, Bobby Heaton, or if you really, really, really need to know how to do it and want to see the best man that's ever done, been a manager in this entire world, watch Jim Cornette. Yes. I'm being serious. That's how I learned. Yeah, you learn from watching the best. I mean, hell, Fuji was great at that too. He's another guy you might want to study. And Fuji never had to even speak English. He didn't. He, he knew a little bit of it. He knew enough. He knew enough, but he, he didn't really have to do much. See, Fuji, Fuji's thing was Fuji didn't have to talk for his guys. All Fuji had to do was interfere for his guys, and he did it well. Yeah, I mean, the only person, he, to my knowledge, the only person he really had to speak for was Yokozuna. Yokozuna, but he, he knew enough to so get by with that. Yeah, like I say, he knew enough to get by. Yeah, and he knew less was more because he came from that generation. That's what. Well, and you keep it. You keep his mystique that way. Exactly. And you want to keep his mystique. Hashtag mystique. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, and so anyway, more information on on Sasaki. Son of a bitch. Thank you. Kazuki Sasaki was a, you know, he he was a professional wrestler, mixed master, mixed, mixed martial artist. He was the founder of the wrestling promotion Diamond Ring, which no longer exists. Which is which didn't exist because he tried to do a round system and it was bad. Yeah, and he's first of two men to hold all three Porosio major heavyweight titles, which is the yes. the IWGP title, the Triple Crown heavyweight title, and the GHC heavyweight title. Which so, I don't know any of those because I'm not a Japanese wrestler wrestling fan. I, I, neither am I. I'm just reading. I, I don't. I don't agree with Japanese wrestling because I don't agree with kicking out after eight minutes. I don't either. I'll be honest. I'm just. Hey, Omega. Yeah. It, it's like I always say. If you had to somebody with a super kick twenty times to pin them, is it really super? Only one person has answered yes to that question. I what, won't are you say. Still talking who. about the pooper kick? Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, I said. Anyway, moving on. I said only one person ever answered yes to that question. But I'm not going to say who. Anyway, we, we know, we know, Frank. Calm down. Uh, anyway, it wasn't Frank. But anyway, all right, Desmond. Anyway. I'm not Desmond. Uh, Elvis. Correct. Anyway, um, on that note, we're gonna move on to the next match of the evening. This is the triple threat match to determine the number one contender for the WCW World Heavyweight Title. We had the Nature Boy Ric Flair versus the Total Package Lex Luger versus Sting. Now this was just this was awesome. I love this. Okay. I did. I really liked it. It was, this was, I'm sorry, I'm trying to drink and eat at the same time. Um, this tells you 
how do I how do I say this in layman's terms? In triple threat matches, there are a lot of times where you do spots and then some guy powders out and then it goes back to two on to one on one on one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And there was this was done well. This was done very well. I see. Yes. Um. Okay. Um, yes. I, I mean, I don't know what you're what you're asking here. No, I'm just I'm just letting you um state your case. I'm yeah, no, I'm, I'm stating know. the case. It was done well. I mean, it was a it got it got clustery at times. Oh, it was clustery as fuck. I but it was done well for those guys I'm, that knew what they were doing. If you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah, but I'm gonna say this. There's there's aspects of this match I did not like. Yeah, it makes sense. First of all, I did not like the fact that it was a triangle match and there were tag outs. I thought that was yeah, that was weird. I thought it was dumb. And what really pissed me off is there was a count out in a triple. What? Yeah, yeah. I mean, no one's been able to explain. I, I have not been able to figure that shit out. How do you have a count out in a triple threat match? Not only that, Lex Luger and Sting get counted out and Ric Flair wins. What kind of bullshit finish is that? That was fucking stupid. And I'm saying that. A, as a fan watching that years ago, and as an analyst now. That is the dumbest way to end a match I've ever seen. One of the dumbest. I'm on the shooter. How 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 apropos. Uh-huh. You're on the shooter while we're talking about the shitty. Yeah, I know. This was the bathroom break. Uh-huh. This was fucking off. That pissed me off so much. <laughs> And then, and so then, right after this, Ric Flair's in the ring, and now we have the match Rick Fla- for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship: Ric Flair versus the Macho Man. I have no words. I don't either. That was a half-ass main event. I mean, it's Ric Flair and Randy Savage. It, it, and it was eight minutes and forty. Let's just pull something out of our ass and make something work. Yeah, and it would bother me. That triple threat match that ended in a goddamn countout is twenty-eight minutes, and Flair and Savage is eight minutes. Eight minutes. You have two technically gifted wrestlers, and they go eight minutes. Uh, someone should have flip-flopped that time limit backstage and been like, "Ah, oh, no, 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 no. We'll make this." Triple threat match with the shitty finish, eight minutes, and we'll Matumbo. give Flair and the Macho Man 28. Matumbo! What Matumbo? What the fuck are you talking about? You said somebody's gonna flip it and go, no, no, no. Oh, that's right. Matumbo! Yeah, somebody, need, no, somebody needed to flip that time limit card and be like, uh-uh, no, 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 flip that shit. That was the, that was the dumbest finish. Like, this... I'll be honest, this Starcade was boring. It, it, yeah. Like, really legitimately boring. And I've been, and I haven't seen all the Starcades, but I've seen a good chunk of them. I'm actually in the middle of the 86 one right now at the time that we're watching this. I mean, we're taping this. So, but so far, this is the worst Starcade I've seen. Yeah, I don't disagree. If we're not, and that's not counting the WWE specials, that's not counting them. I'm just counting the ones that WCW did. And this so far, this is the worst one. And yes, Starcade 2000, I'm looking right at you and saying oh, that 95 is worse. And that's saying something because 2000 is not bad. Yeah, but we're going to get to that one at a later date. But oh, It's on the list, children. It's on the list. But yeah, that... On yeah, the list. Yeah, so that was a terrible Starcade. And uh, I don't... You, know, oh, you know what, though, Mr. Bridgewater? What? Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. In the most delightful way. way. 
Uh, and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to conclude this recap of the worst Starcade ever. And, and I will say this: as as long as we can do this, we you know we're going to do what we got to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to give you insight. Boots is going to give you insight on things as we see them pop up. Absolutely. So if you're looking for a podcast that keeps it real when it talks about classic old school pay-per-views. And if you just want to take a stroll down memory lane and enjoy some classic wrestling to take your mind off the fact that modern wrestling, for the most part, is fucking garbage, well, then the Boochcast is the place to be. So make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We're on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all five hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at theboochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Check out our YouTube channel, The Boochcast on YouTube, for all of our video content. And make sure you guys hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when new content will be posted. Also, make sure you're following us. On Twitch, go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, July the 30th for WWE SummerSlam. We got a big event going on with our watch party. Now, it's going to be done in one of two ways. We're still trying to figure out all the kinks on that. Either A, I'll be doing it alongside Buff Bagwell when we're in Tampa, Florida for Tampa Bay Comic Con that weekend. Or my team will be doing it here in Georgia And they'll be getting together and doing their thing. But one way or the other, you will be able to have a fun watch party with the Boochcast team as we check out the biggest party of the summer. July 30th at 8 p.m. on twitch.tv slash theboochcast. Also, we got our D&D show coming out later this year, as well as our Boochcast booking battle, which will take place between myself and Elvis Delinsky, where we will be. Using the, two, using the My GM mode on WWE 2K22, putting our rosters together, putting our shows out on Twitch, and finding out once and for all who's the better Booker Man. Also, you can support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Our first level is for 99 cents per month. This is for anybody out there who wants to donate money but doesn't have a lot of money to spend. We know there's a lot of hardworking men and women out there. You got bills to pay and mouths to feed. So the last thing we would ever ask you guys to do is break the bank or sacrifice a payment or feel guilt-tripped or pressured into donating money to this show that you just don't have. So if you're able to listen to the show, just listen to the show, and then spread the link to everyone you know. That's all we can really ask of you guys to do. But if you'd like to put a little skin in the game, the 99 cents level is for you. Why? Because it's only 99 cents. You're not going to miss it, but it helps us out a great deal because every little bit helps us keep the Booch cast thriving. Now, if you got some extra spending cash, you can upgrade to the second level, which is for $4.99 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content 
the peacock anyway. And we got the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99. The same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States. I know ever since they sold to the peacock, you got nowhere to put that $9.99. So do that $9.99, bring it over here. We got better content than the network. And unlike the WWE, we actually care about our fans and are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You have the option of paying with a credit card or with GPay. And the best part is all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We use the money to upgrade our equipment. We use it to bring in bigger name guests, pay our bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and you believe they're going to be paid for their hard work, anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then if there's any money left over, when it's all said and done, we use the rest of it to feed Zach Ramen Noodles and try to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Booch Cast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all. Goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.